Boom! K-Shed in the house. Guess what, y'all? I think I'm going to like this podcast stuff. You know why? Because uh, it's it's a fun, fun uh, adventure. We get to include all kinds of different variables, elements, um, make things very exciting for the listeners, uh, mainly because we plan on including the listeners. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, uh, this will be episode number two for me, and I had a blast doing the first one, um, you know, uh, setting things up so when I'm ready, I got my first guest on the agenda, uh, Mr. Uh, Leo Aragus, former NFL punter extraordinaire. Uh, my um, knowledge as far as like Leo is all with uh, the um, Oakland Raiders at the time. Uh, dude was legit, uh, not only on the football field, but uh, he carried himself very well over um, in the community, which is something that was uh, a high priority for team owner Al Davis um, and a highly respected Mr. Willie Brown, uh, Hall of Fame cornerback uh, number 24. Fantastic, fantastic man. Um, and it's just those guys uh, really, really pressed for us to not only just give it our all on the football field, uh, but to give back to the community. And I think that was a, a super success for uh, 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 big things to happen. And one of the main reasons why those guys just dominated is they incorporated their fans and their community into their Sunday workday. <laughs> you know, it was it was beautiful. I hear stories all the time of the uh, La Zetos, uh, those guys, uh, the old school days, uh, um, you know, showing up at bars and just kind of kicking it with the fans and stuff and just kind of just, just um, you know, being humble, I think. Uh, NFL players have to remain humble, um, uh, but it's a double-edged sword because the, the more humble you are, the, the quieter you are on the football field, apparently. And um, they only really like coaches and uh, the owner, you know, some owners, I guess, in the press and all that stuff. They only really like the loud, really brass and just kind of like knuckleheaded type football players nowadays and stuff who are out there. They're balling, but they're just they got they're jerks, too, sometimes, you know, and for whatever reason, that that seems to be the thing. And um you know, that's not how I operated. That's not how a lot of the uh, Raiders when I was on the team operated. And um, it was it was good. It was a good, good, good experience. And uh, uh, I just wanted to kind of set the stage on some of the things that we're going to be talking about and all that. I had to catch myself because um, in preparation with uh, uh, getting my interview going with uh, with Leo, I texted him. I said, hey, look, are you going to be OK with us talking about uh, John Gruden? And I really didn't know what he was going to say. Um, I know Leo played under Gruden for about the same time I did, a couple years. Gruden came into town. And um, there was some changes that were immediately made. And uh, so I really didn't, and I don't think that, I think it's safe to say that uh, myself and uh, Leo, unfortunately, weren't part of uh, Coach Gruden's uh, long-term plans. And um, so I was kind of interested to see what he would say. It's uh, obviously if you haven't been living under a rock, you know the situation with Coach Gruden right now, which we'll get into. Uh, but uh, one of the things I want to make sure was that when we do talk, that uh, he would be okay with us 
having a, a you know an open forum discussion. Uh, the name of my podcast is K, K Shed Uncuffed. So, you know, if we're going if we're going to name it that, we got to kind of get deep and dirty on some things too. Um, and I don't know why Coach John Gruden just popped in my head. Um, you know, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. It's strange because. Like I, like I first said, I wasn't part of his plans, but, um, you know, I mean, he's a, he was a fantastic coach, and I think from my background, that's something that I put a lot of stock in. I love when a head coach comes in and they have a vision, and they're not afraid to lay down the law. They're not afraid to uh, get in people's faces, you know, uh, make them run laps if they, if they slack off on a play. You know, even if it's freaking 90 plus degrees, that's how I remember football in high school. And, um, you know, that's what I mean, not to say he, he wasn't overly bearing, but uh, he was definitely uh, in charge and he expected, uh, uh, you know, perfection almost on every play in practice and all that stuff. So, um, you know, my experience with John Gruden was, uh, you know, a mixed bag. Uh, you know, and um, before I uh, before I kind of like uh, opened it up when we when I do get my my guest on, you know, I wanted to kind of like set the stage about my feelings uh, of, of Coach Gruden, uh, because, you know, uh, I mean, sometimes people, uh, you know, uh, it takes the world a minute to kind of understand how people can be, get become who they are. Uh, John Gruden, um, as I'm actually, I'm, if I looked up Wikipedia, the first sentence says, John Gruden, and it says, uh, he is a victim of cancel culture <laughs> and former American football coach. Uh, time out, people. A victim of cancel culture? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. Coach Gruden, I can't really describe as a victim of anything. Uh, mainly because he's just, I don't think he would see himself as any type of victim. He doesn't have that type of personality. His personality is hardcore, uh, true confidence, true um, uh, belief in his way of doing things. Uh, I think he grew up in a football world, so he's very, very knowledgeable when it comes to uh, schemes and uh, plays and how to defeat a defense and a uh, heck of an offensive coordinator, a uh, huge, huge um, pusher for um, the ability to motivate people. Um, if you don't get motivated, <laughs> uh, you will be seeing the door uh, with a pink slip in your hand real soon. Trust me. Um, and that's just John Gruden. So I don't think that describing John Gruden as a victim of anything would be correct. Um, and that's that's I'm saying that more out of respect as well. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I also uh, understand what might have happened. Um, you know, there's a there. You know, as many people out there who loves John Gruden, uh, I've come across uh, several others, multiple others who uh, do not want to have anything to do with this guy. Who don't have much good things to say about uh, Coach Gruden, and a lot of it is, as I think about it, is uh, you know, let me put myself in in that type of uh, uh, you know discussion, I guess. Uh, if anybody would have a kind of like a bad taste in their mouth about John Gruden, it, I would be one of those people, mainly because it, it's hard to play in the NFL. Um, I had one hell of a rookie year that was probably by far 
the worst rookie year anybody could have in the NFL, getting drafted in the fifth round by the New York Jets, a young kid, uh, you know, I'll describe myself as very immature at that time, um, from a small college of Northern Iowa, getting drafted by the by big city professional franchise like the New York Jets was an extremely difficult situation. Uh, and it didn't really start off very well for me um, after I got drafted. And obviously, you know, I mean, uh, the press comes over and they do a story on me and it's I'm on cloud nine. They said, you know, like the whole that song, Benny and the Jets, just, just the name of that headline was Kenny and the Jets. Yeah, I can remember that. It was it was a solid article. Uh, great picture, and then um, things just took a turn downhill from there, <laughs> uh, mainly because, uh, you know, I'm a small-town kid getting drafted by big, uh, by the number one uh, biggest city in the freaking United States, 13-plus, maybe even more, million people in that one city. I get drafted there, and I'm, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to play pro ball uh, on that type of level, and... Uh, um, things started on an ominous note. As soon as I got off the plane for my first mini camp, I didn't bring anything uh, itinerary-wise with me. All I knew is I just—I mean, I'm getting—I'm flying into LaGuardia. Uh, get yourself to the uh, Jets facility. <laughs> my dumbass thought uh, that that it would be something simple. You know, I mean, I'm from Davenport, Iowa. That's a hundred hundred thousand people. And that's the third biggest city in Iowa right there. I'm thinking, you know, you get off the airport, you know, the facility can't be too far away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, so um, New York City, uh, mind you, has how many different, uh, they got two hockey teams, uh, two basketball teams, uh, professional basketball teams, two pro football teams, like uh, two, three baseball teams. Oh, my God. It's just nuts, and the place is just, just immense. So when I get – when I land and I go – you know, you had to get your own ride there, and I go to – I go get ready to tell the cab guy, hey, uh, take me to the Jets facility. <laughs> he had no clue where I was supposed to be going. And then, I, and, and then, and then it was like – Horrible. That was just the start of the worst rookie year ever. I was late getting to our first meeting, uh, completely embarrassed beyond belief because uh, who, you know, none of the coaches or any of the other draft choices or any of the, the senior members on the team, no one could understand that. And I don't even understand how I let that happen. Come on, man. What's wrong with you? Um, just not thinking, just not ready, and just was overwhelmed by the whole opportunity to play in the NFL despite getting drafted and um, being led down a road or being presented with this fantastic goat nugget of a road where I could have literally been uh, just as big, uh, you know, as like a Terrell Owens. I was going to say Timmy Brown, but there's no way. I mean, uh, him, Jerry Rice, those receivers are on their own like little level. But um, you know, I could have been a, uh, like a like a Terrell Owens, I guess, and stuff. But without the 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 mental silliness, I guess, um, you know. But 100%, I had a great great opportunity uh, presented to me. Uh, they got a, they had to give me money. 
because um, I was one of their draft choices, although it wasn't a lot, but they had to give me money. So they were pushing for me to make this team more than anybody. Um, but just boneheaded moves just kept coming left and right. Um, couldn't get off the ball, couldn't get off the line of scrimmage and practice. The first pass uh, was to me from Mr. Boomer Esiason, who just got signed, mega multi-million dollar contract by the Jets that year. And I couldn't get my hands up in time because because his balls obviously are coming at you faster than your, your college quarterback was. And my hand got, got caught in the middle. Pop! And all I heard, saw was my middle finger like do this like weird, you know, like uh, club dance. It was like doom, 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 doom. <laughs> started like twisting and doing all these things. And then all of a sudden it just stopped and it was like bent halfway up, like arched up. And I'm just like, what the heck? Uh, yeah. Hey, pick up that ball. You just dropped knucklehead and get back in the huddle. Uh, you know, that's, that's when they, you know, they really like you, you're a draft choice. So they, they're going to keep pushing you in there you know, cause they want to get their money's worth. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I just couldn't take my game up uh, soon enough, you know, and where I'm going with this one is that, um, uh, you know, I don't think the, the coaches like a John Gruden kind of understands that, that not everybody is going to come into the NFL ready to hit the ground running. They're not going to immediately be the next Jerry Rice who uh, Gruden loved. It's impossible. You, the only way that you can become that is to learn the lessons that come, the hard lessons that comes with playing in the NFL, getting your butt uh, wiped out, uh, you know, just the hardships of, of uh, you know, learning the hard way that you're not as good as you think you are uh, you're not as fast as, as I am, which is very strange because in college, yeah, no one really can, not very many people can run uh, four two-ish and stuff. But in the pros, man, everybody's running four twos. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a hard, hard reality. Um, you know, so I, I, I struggled. Uh, I got placed on the, I got cut like 15 times, got placed on the practice roster, uh, you know, because they didn't, they really wanted to, you know, try to reserve me and kind of, you know, hold on to me, uh, you know, and so it was a rough, rough beginning. Um, you know, fast forward past that, then I had to uh, go to the World League uh, after uh, sit, having to sit out a year. Um, so three years had passed before I even had my first freaking uh, uh, play uh, on a normal regular season uh uh, team uh, in the in the NFL, it was rough. So yeah, you know, I mean, but um, Mr. L. Davis, uh, one of his favorite things that he he would always say if I was over there um, once I made the team and you know I, I was re really settling in and becoming my own uh, guy, just turning into my own like little hardcore like little football player. Um, I say uh, up there, I'm talking to a reporter or something like that. Mr. Um, Davis would walk by. Hey, uh, Ken. Uh, why don't you tell them where I found you in the streets of Barcelona, walking around all like decrepit and whatever. And I made you into what you are. And it's, and, um, it's super true. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of times when you hear me talk, it's going to sound like I'm like uh, in the movie, uh, I'm the usual suspects, you know, and I'm like Kaiser Sose <laughs> coming up with all these different crazy things to say, you know, yeah, when I talked to Al Davis, uh, you know, uh, I was just came from a call on the where a person tried to commit suicide, and then I uh, I, I sped in my police car over there, and then uh, 
you know, scored a touchdown an hour later against the uh, 49ers, and we hate those guys. You know how it was to feel, to make that touchdown against those guys. You know, it's just then I then you know I'm, I'm I forget where I'm at. I'm like, wait, okay, I played in the NFL. Uh, I played for four different freaking teams. Uh, you know, I got released like over a thousand times, brought back oh, just as many times. I had to go over to the World League, uh, play for the Barcelona uh, Dragoons, where I really started re- reestablishing myself. But I had to sit out a year uh, prior to that um, after getting released by the Bears. Um, and then uh, I had to make a decision. My dad sat me down like, right, actually, shoot. I forgot about Canada. I had to go to Canada, too. That's a whole story to tell. I go to Canada, right, after um, not getting picked up by several different, you know, after a couple workouts with several different teams and not getting picked up. My agent at the time said, hey, uh, why don't you try Canada? So I go up there, you know, and my confidence is like barely, barely holding on. But I'm just like, man, if I, I, I know I should be able to start here in Canada. Come on now. So I got picked up by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A great, great program there. Um, you know, but I told the coach, you know, imagine this like little, uh, I guess I grew a, grew a set that day. And I went to the coach and I said, hey, look, coach, I'm only here to play. So if you're not going to play, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> and then I walked out. like, dun, 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 dun. And then guess what? I ended up not playing that week. <laughs> It was it was funny. It was funny. I, I mean, it was comical. I made fun out of it. Um, it was a good experience too, uh, going up to Canada, uh, still you know trying to compete. And you know, I mean, uh, just seeing the competition around you, you, you're still around professional ball players who take this stuff very very seriously, and they're not gonna just let some freaking little joker come from America just because they played in the NFL and just let you take their spot. So they they competed and they stepped their game up and they made it where like hey we're not letting this guy take our spot so that's what happened um and I stayed true to my word I um I left and the problem was and this is so funny the problem was is that I never told my family that I was leaving (laughs) it was it was all about me I'm just like okay all right I'm in Canada what the heck I'm gonna you know I drove out there I'm gonna drive back of course um, you know, but I'm going to stop and have fun on my way back. So I, you know, checked out the city of Hamilton, uh, made my way out to Toronto, uh, which wasn't that far away and then looped around. I think I went to the, um, uh, Niagara Falls side or whatever, but on my way home and, uh, stopped at a couple of different places, saw the, the, the different vibe and the, the party scene that Canada has to offer. And I'm having a blast. I'm just having a blast. It just—it was a good, good time. I'm a young cat and stuff like that, and um, you know, like I said, I'm just—I'm making most of the situation. Um, and but apparently, <laughs> um, no one knew where I was. Like my agent was—you uh, know—he heard that I had gotten released by the uh, uh, Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats, so he's trying to call me. I'm not my my phone's off or whatever. I don't know what happened to it. Um, I didn't turn it off purposely, purposely, but I just, I think it was just, I'm in a whole new freaking country, man. Um, you know, and just, the the, the, the waves weren't connecting, I guess at the time. So, but I'm good. Um, but my agent didn't know that he couldn't get a hold of me. Yeah. I called my mom and dad to see if I was, uh, if they knew where I was, they didn't know where I was cause I didn't call them. 
<laughs> so picture me at this club with loud music, boom, 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 and I'm a dance club. Everybody knows that, man. Um, I love dance music, and I'm just tearing it up and just like boom, boom, just just having a blast on my way back home, um, you know. And I guess people were trying to get a hold of me. Um, a reporter heard that I got released and called my dad. Hey, where's your, where's your we were trying to get a story from your son, see what this means. Uh, is he done uh, trying to play NFL football? Uh, what are his plans? Uh, you know, how does he bounce back from such a such a uh, disappointing, you know, NFL start? I guess you know. And um, my dad was very direct with them. Uh, bless his heart, love man. He's like, you know what? I don't know where Kenny is, <laughs> and that was published. That was published in that article um, where, just like I said, uh, he's the, are the, the reporters covering how Shed's like struggling in the NFL, struggling to find his footing. He got released from these guys. He went up to Canada, got released from them. Um, uh, we were wanting to try to get a hold of him to, to get some quotes to see what's the next plan. And we talked to his dad, and his dad, they can't find him. Can you, I, I mean, are you serious? That's true. This is a true story. There's, it's an article that was written with me like being missing and I had no clue. It was like, and so when I finally made it back home, I'm driving back to, you know, I pull up to the house and all that stuff. And, you know, I let mom and dad know, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm too tired to talk about what happened, but, uh, you know, I want to tell them all the good things about Canada that I saw and everything. And, um, you know, but and they had this look like like they'd seen a ghost. I'm like, OK, well, maybe they're tired. Maybe they don't really kind of hear want to hear about it and all that stuff. So I said, oh, I'm going to go upstairs. And I'm like, you know what? I hung upstairs. A couple people called like, Kenny, are you OK? I'm like, yeah. Where are you at right now? I'm just like, I'm at home. I'm back at Davenport now. It was like, uh, uh, dude, do you need us to come pick you up? What's going on? I'm just like, yeah, okay, we can go out. Yeah, come pick me up. And then when when they picked me up, everybody's like, dude, like, dude, you should have told us. Why didn't you call me? I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then they showed me the article. <laughs> I said, stop the car. Or I said, turn around. And I went back and I just looked, held the article up to my dad. And I just said, dad what is this? And he's like, I, I don't, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't, we couldn't find you. I'm like, dad, I look, I look ridiculous. I was, I, and then, you know, yeah. Was it embarrassing? Was it a little bit, let kind of like over the top, like seriously. Um, but the bottom line was that my mom and dad and my family, my friends, uh, my coaches, you know, even the media people who I had gotten the close to in the Quad City areas as well, everybody was just concerned about me. You know, forget the football stuff. They just want to make sure I was okay. Like, my mental state was okay. And um, that was the wildest thing. And then, so, I think that's what I really, really started to reflect on this stuff. And I, you know, after I kind of gathered myself up, uh, I went out, uh, you know, even still uh, went you know, we went back out and I'm shooting pool. And I remember hearing some people in the background as I'm shooting pool, like, you know, you know, bar people. Hey, isn't that Kenny Shed right there? You know, as I'm, you know, missing the shot because <laughs> I wasn't the best at pool, but I thought I was. Um, but I can hear him in the background. They're just like, isn't that Kenny Shed? 
And once, a, yeah, there's like, what's he doing right now? Why is he here? Isn't there, isn't, shouldn't he be at camp or something? And it was just kind of like, like everybody was just kind of like, my name was like circulating around the Cloud Cities, like, holy crap, this guy, this guy's a bum, you know? And um, was it hurtful? Uh, extremely. Um, young cat, you know, had everything lined up in front of me and just went up there guys and just just spat it away uh just wasn't ready and um you know but i had to make a decision i was just like uh, kenny you've been getting your butt kicked uh from day one in the nfl uh, you know i mean you've tried this you tried that you even came back the second year with the jets with a bigger frame after spending the whole off season in the gym you look fantastic even though um you know but you still got released. Um, you know, I, I had to make some some prayers, and I had to dig deep just to just to just to keep keeping the game. Uh, so I was mentally exhausted even before going to Canada. I remember um, in New York after you know getting released from the practice roster, and then getting brought back. Uh, surviving another week and then someone got hurt and then they then they released me again and then they called me and said hey look we had to release you we had an offensive lineman uh, get get uh, hurt so we had to bring in somebody else and put them take your spot so here I am in Long Beach uh, New York Uh, I got this great great spot uh, on the beach Uh, one of this fantastic uh, uh, Long Islander Mr. Eugene Hamlet uh, took care of me. He had owned a bunch of property out there and, uh, he took a liking to me because he knew that I was like, I was like, uh, that uh, I was, I needed a friend, put it that way. Um, you know, everybody had kind of like lost faith in me and I was still out there trying to hang on. And, um, uh, and I just remember, uh, being so distraught that day um, after getting that phone call that I'd been released, but they said, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we're going to bring you back. Okay. To practice roster. Let's just, let's just get through this game. We need to bring this guy in for security purposes. Just hang in there. And it's like, I wanted to say, are you guys kidding me? Do you know I have no friends around here anymore? Because at one point I was not the, I was the hot item around here, man, a New York jet lives down the street. That's, that's, that's where Jet lives and stuff like that. It was fantastic. I was the toast of the town. And now this is how you guys do me? They they know what's going on. And now they they they, they walk by laughing now. You know, you, can't, you guys can't keep doing this to me, you know? I mean, my families, they're they're wondering what's going on. I mean, this this is not what's this is not how I was supposed to be, you know, but uh I'm talking to air because they had already hung up the phone at that point, but I'm still talking to myself. And then I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I, I, and, I, and I, and, and to this day, this is exactly how that happened. Um, I ran outside. Like I said, I, I had a nice little place over there. It was on the beach. I ran outside. It was daytime. Uh, I just kept running, uh, almost to the water, but then stopped and I dropped down and I just looked up. I said, You've got to get me out of here. I don't care what it takes. If you keep me here any longer, I'm not going to make it. That was like in 1994. 
you know, after getting drafted by the, the, the Jets the year before and not making a team on the practice roster the second year, they put me back on the practice roster, like I said, after I bulked up and I was ready and I thought I was going to do things differently. I was ready to do things differently, but they had drafted two receivers in the draft that year, and those were guys were my replacements. So it just wasn't meant to be. And I said, and, and they put me back on the practice roster again. And I, and I looked at them and said, you've got to get me out of here. Um, and I said, if you, if you keep me here, I literally will not live another moment. And I can't be as real as that. It was, it was crazy. And then um, this is how I know that there is a special being out there. Um, because no more than five hours later, later that night, I get a phone call from my agent. And um, Mr. Joe Coletta called me and said, hey, Kenny. What do you think about coming closer to home? And it's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the Chicago Bears just called me and they want to sign you. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, but you have to pack your stuff and you, they want to fly you out tonight so you can be ready for meetings tomorrow and practice tomorrow. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, guys, that was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. Uh, it, it, one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and I literally could not really even celebrate too much. I couldn't even really tell all my friends who I, they, who were still there, uh, that I was leaving because I didn't have enough time. I just had enough time to pack my stuff, throw everything in, in my car. Uh, I had to order, uh, one of those transport vehicles, uh, to come take my car, uh, and transport it down to Chicago with my belongings from the house, um, or my condo. And then um, I was on a plane, or I was on my way to the airport. So it, it, it was my, my prayers had gotten answered. Um, and I know what a lot of people are going to say, you know, ones who know that I'm not as religious as I probably could be, they're going to, they're going to catch that. They're going to say, see, he was looking after you, and I'm not here to dispute that. Um, because someone was looking after me and making sure uh, that I was staying in the fight and they just, they, they, they answered my prayers and they changed my, uh, surroundings. Um, and I was in Chicago that, that same night, <laughs> um, you know, playing for the Chicago bears, uh, coach Wanstead was the coach at the time, you know, and I'm like two and a half hours from home. You cannot ask for a better setup. Um, you know, and, uh, but the same old story, if I hadn't, gotten any type of playing experience with the Jets and um, now I got to go try to f uh, fight for a roster spot here for the Bears it, nothing's going to change because you're still in NFL and if you're not ready to, to compete you will not be on that team so that's what ended up happening with the Bears I got cut that that year and had to sit out a year um, because I had uh, too many years under my belt on um, uh, without well, that year I, w I w became my first full year, and at that time, once you stayed on the roster for a full year, you couldn't um, you couldn't go back to the practice roster, and um, you either and if a team didn't sign you, you had to sit out. So that's what ended up happening. Um, then that's when I went to Canada, and Canada was fun. That's all I could say. It was a it was a fun fun uh, place to be. Uh, the Tiger Cats didn't have a place for me on the football field, um, but I was just like, okay, I have to regroup here. I got to regroup. What am I going to do? Hmm. 
what do I do? The, the shed in me can't just throw in the towel. Um, my dad built me to be a lot different than that. Uh, and that's, that's one man who's just, he, he's been so, do so much in his life that if he can make it through the, the deep South of, uh, Mississippi back in the forties, um, growing up in a, in a, <laughs> in a state that was like, uh, beyond racist where the Ku Klux Klan first began and he fought through it and made it. Uh, to where he ended up uh, uh, turning his complete life around, uh, moved out to Iowa and raised four kids, paid off his house, uh, retired at, a, at the Davenport Police Department uh, with high honors, uh, highly respected, and uh, loving every person he came across who did not defiantly come out to get him. You know, if, if they were smiled and they treated him nice, he was the nicest person back to them. You know, he, he held no bones against anybody. And I just said to myself, if my dad could fight and be that much of a warrior, I'm going to come up with a new plan. And that's when I came up with my plan that was highly successful. And, um, you know, I uh, went to the World League, uh, did reestablish myself. And then when, um, when it was time for the season to wrap up for the World League, <clears throat> Um, I get a message from one of the coaches there uh, as, as we were sitting in our meetings and stuff. There was, I was surrounded by like four other, uh, three other receivers, and all three receivers were allocated by their NFL teams. Um, uh, one was allocated by the Redskins. When I say allocated, that means that uh, the Redskins signed that player, and then they uh, sent that player over to the World League specifically for the uh, – opportunity for that person to get some playing time in and um you know get some seasoning in, and then they come back and then compete for a spot roster spot during training camp so and then one of the other guys uh, uh the receivers at the time was um allocated by the tampa bay buccaneers um i didn't have a team so no one would sign me so it was crazy that i even made the team i had to dig deep uh you know just to compete for one of those op last open spots um, and I got it. Uh, I said, I ain't getting denied this one. Uh, once, once we heard that and realized that we were competing for a, a roster spots just to even go to the World League, I said, nah, uh-uh. Uh, I got nasty, y'all. I got nasty. I wasn't letting anybody try to step in front of me, take reps or nothing. I was giving it up. Yeah, so, and then, um, uh, so they set their roster, and then uh, and we flew out to Barcelona, and... Um, Great, 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 great experience. And um, like I said, when the season was wrapping up, one of the coaches who's always – those coaches are in constant contact with the NFL coaches just to kind of give updates. And he said to me and the other two receivers, the other receivers in the room, said, okay, guys, when you get back to the States and you uh, go to your NFL camps, I want you to give them hell. And he include the fact that he included me in that statement just was like, wait, wait, was that a Freudian slip? Is he teasing me? And no, he was giving me a, that was foreshadowing. He was giving me a heads up because um, the Raiders had already contacted uh, those guys and were showing some, some serious interest. And so when I got back to the States, um, I get a phone call from my 
my agent and um, uh, I had a different agent at that time, uh, longer. I'll tell you that story one other day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, me and my old agent had a fallout because of what he, he said, something about Kenny. God dang it, man. I can't go out there and make the team for you. <laughs> and I like, what did you just say? And that was the the end of our uh, relationship right there. And um, yeah, that there was no recovery after that point. So I had a new agent and this agent had a great connections uh, with the Raiders and he uh, solidified a contract with me to come to Oakland and c- compete with the Oakland Raiders, man. Uh, one of the best is actually, in my opinion, the best franchises out there, the best uniforms, the best image, the best logo, the best fans, the best color scheme, the best freaking uh, just their their ability to intimidate anybody simply because of their name is what I'm all about. And it was a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for me. I went out there and I showed my ass off, uh, diving for balls and just, just lighting it up. Preseason came and the first, the first two years, and I'm stressing the first two years for a reason because uh, Coach Gruden wasn't there yet. So um, those first two years, I was I was on cloud nine. Uh, you know, fans were loving what I was doing. My heart was like, and it was what they really, really wanted to um, see out of their players was the heart that I was showing. Uh, I, I, I took no plays off, and I hated to lose. Uh, I remember my first ever uh, NFL touchdown uh, was a long pass thrown to me from um, – uh, God, man. Uh, well, anyway, a long, long bomb. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Billy Joe Hobart. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Billy. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm sorry about that, brother. You, you, you've, been a, you've etched your way into my, in my heart because of what you did for me. Um, um, so my bad on that one. But Billy Joe Hobart threw this fantastic deep ball, like 60 plus yards against the uh, Chargers uh, in Oakland. It was my first ever touchdown against uh, a rival um, uh, Rodney Harrison at the time was uh, the strong safety, and I caught that ball right over his freaking neck. Just like, whoop! He, he turned around, I was like, God dang it, Kenny! And then I didn't even really know who he was at the time because he was new too. So, um, But uh, Rodney Harrison played at Western Illinois, so unbeknownst to us at the time, we, we battled each other when we played, when Northern Iowa played Western Illinois. So... Um, um, that was my first touchdown, but if you would not believe this, if I t- unless I told you, because we were losing by like 21 points, and that was like the last uh, touchdown, like with the le- uh, 40 seconds left, rather than holding on to the ball, I just threw it away. <laughs> it was my first touchdown uh, in the NFL, and it's just the funniest thing because um, my dad, uh, my mom and dad would, would record the games live. And so the commentators on the on the live uh, recording that they I ended up seeing later, it, the camera's all on me. <laughs> Here I am walking back to the sideline with this just look of just pure hatred on my head because we're we're losing. And then the on uh, the bottom it says K Shed's first ever NFL touchdown, and I'm just fuming, and I'm not 
I'm not having it. And it's just the most ironic scene and really funny. Yeah. So that's how my, um, that's how I turned things around. Um, started making a name for myself. I, I, I started seeing number 84 sh shed jerseys out in the freaking stands. I wasn't even the starter at the time, but, uh, you know, I mean, cause Timmy Brown and James Jett were both starters at the time, but, uh, and they were very, very tough to take out, obviously. Uh, Tim Brown, no way. Uh, James Jett, um, you know, there were some classic battles against him and I, and I came close, but, um, you know, the dude's an Olympic gold medal winner. So, uh, yeah, that, that was tough, too. So, but, you know, despite it all, uh, the, the, the black hole uh, really kind of got behind me. Like I said, there was some shit jerseys out there and it was mind blowing. Like I finally made it. This was fantastic. Um, so that leads me to why I go back to coach Gruden and it's kind of a tough spot to be in because you're going to hear me sounding like I'm supporting coach Gruden, which I am, but I'm also keeping it real. And this is the reason why you're not seeing very many people coming to the rescue or, you know, try to do like the rehabilitation of his, uh, of his, uh, almost irreparably damaged name now, because there's a lot of, uh, uh former players who have a huge bone to pick with uh, Gruden because of how, um, how, how much damage he caused to their NFL career. Like for me, you know, I was online to be huge, and then uh, Coach Gruden came on in, and rather given me and some of the other ones a chance to show what we could do, I think we were classified as Al Davis boys, and what he wanted to do was make it his, his home team. Uh, so uh, it was strange. It was really, really strange. Like uh, there was a there was a uh, there was a linebacker uh, that they that the Raiders drafted back in the days who I just. I just fell in love with due to how he played and just fun to watch and just, I mean, just a great teammate, Eric Barton, um, just a stud. Um, my, if my memory served me right. He either played at Maryland or one of those schools like that, a big time school. He was a big time player. They drafted him pretty high. Um, he came in with a, with a, with a good reputation and, um, you know, it just seemed like things were set up for him, but, for whatever reason, things didn't click. Uh, and, and, and John Gruden, just rather than letting this cat develop, it just didn't, it just maybe wasn't, I don't know, it's hard to explain. So and all of a sudden things started going south for Eric. I mean, this dude was, was well on his way. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that's very difficult for me to understand about uh, some of the head coaches and stuff that I've come across is that they, they, um, they don't have their their uh, tunnel vision is 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 uh, could sometimes be their own downfall uh, because for example I, I was being put on the scout team you know helping uh, Buster but you know bust a butt on the first team defense again uh, when Gruden started putting in people in front of me and I you know I never stop I don't care I, I'm gonna go out there and bust my butt so I'm I'm destroying it out there against scout team and getting our defense number one defense ready. Um, you know, and so the quarterback at the time would be lighting it up too, because we're clicking. We're, we're just like, like, you know, 
just like brothers out there. We can read each other's minds. He knows my skill level. I know where the ball's going to be and the ball's going to be coming in perfectly. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a nice rhythm, nice click uh, sync going on. And it was an indescribable uh, amount of, uh, 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 you know, ability to just kind of like uh, generate plays and get our defense readied. And so uh, fast forward, if the starting quarterback at the time happened to get hurt, then then they would they would elevate that scout team quarterback to be the starter. But the one thing that they were missing is the receivers on the scout team who were lighting it up with that quarterback. They didn't see that, hey, you need to put this guy in there who was lighting up with this quarterback in the game as well and put whatever bone you have against them away because without that uh, that um, that vibe that they have going on it's gonna be it's gonna get ugly you know it was it was it, it just it, it didn't translate to the hardcore playing from that quarterback uh, to game day Sundays mainly because he didn't have a rhythm with the with the receivers that were active uh, who were active at that time um, and he was missing his other two receivers who were just killing it for him. And lo and behold, the quarterback would struggle. Yeah, the timing was off. And then just uh, all of a sudden now that quarterback is being ousted, you know, and, you know, it was just nothing really made sense as far as like uh, the, the pace that they expected. Um, and I'll just say Gruden. I didn't understand the pace that Gruden expected the, the, the ball players out there to be developing at. Uh, it just, none of it made sense. And I think a lot of people fell, fell victim to that. Um, I mean, and it's a, it's, a, it's a credit to Gruden who uh, ex- expects nothing but excellence. But at the same time, you, gotta under, you have to realize that these are uh, um, still kids out there trying to learn how to play football on the NFL high level elite level. And it just, it doesn't happen by, by learning plays in the meeting room through the book. They can only happen uh, by, uh, you know, getting out there and, and, and making your mistakes and getting better. I remember. um, And then when, you know, I remember when uh, Mr. Davis tried to come to, to our, our bat and, and say, no, 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 we drafted these guys for a reason. They need to be out there. And I, like I said, he was a big Kenny fan. Um, and I think that that caused conflict and stuff. And then I'm not, there's no way I can prove this, but all I can do is set the stage. So what started happening was obviously Gruden's controlling the offense and he's the head coach and stuff. He's running the offensive show. So here's how our meetings would go. We, we go into our uh, team meetings Hey, guys, we've got this new play coming out uh, that I just thought of. It's called the Timmy Brown Special. Uh, you know, and then he'll draw it up on the uh, board. All right, Timmy, you're going to do this. And then you do your stutter. You stop and you come off the move. And then you do the motion. And then you go up and fake in, out. And then uh, corner route, touchdown. Uh, Jet, when Brown does his move, movement, you shift over here. You go in and out. And you cover. You keep these guys uh, uh, uh held here in the flat that gives Timmy the chance. To, and then, so, and then, you know, it's just drawn up beautifully. looks great. You know, it's called the Timmy Brown special guaranteed touchdown. All right. So we break that. 
we go over it again, again in the quarterback receiver meeting. All right, Tim Brown special. Here it is, and here's how I vision it. All right, he'll say that play again. Uh, all right, after this, we're going to break out. We'll break that meeting, and we'll go out in the field, and we'll do a walkthrough. All right, Timmy, Timmy Brown special as we're doing offenses, and then Timmy will get up there, line up. Brown or Jet would get on the other or the same side, wherever, however they would stack it, and then Timmy would do his motion. It looks great. They they feed off each other. One peels right, the other one peels left, and then you know, and then the the, the defensive look. You know, they weren't they weren't trying to go hard, so they were just in position to give them a look. You know, and then here goes Timmy. He does his fantastic routes like normal. Uh, dude has fantastic hands, so even in a walkthrough, you know, he's making one-handed catches and stuff like that. But but it but it looked perfect. It looked just like it was drawn up and stuff. And so, you know, and that was during walkthroughs, all right? A couple hours later, or an hour or so later, now it's practice. So everybody's dressed up in their pads and stuff. And, you know, then, you know, the second team defense would go up against the first team offense. So uh, during that um, offensive scheme, then it was like, okay, uh, we're going to run the Timmy Brown special in the huddle. Uh, so they get up there and they run their Timmy Brown special. And it's all Timmy comes in perfectly down the line. They time it up perfectly. I think Gannon was the quarterback at the time. Hut, hut, hut. They, they feed off each other. One pills right, one pills left. Tim, Timmy does his great moves, spins around, and then goes up for the corner. Just like it was drawn up. Touchdown! Yeah, and it's on video. Everybody's looking good. I mean, it's just everybody's uh, celebrating, and it's like the groom's like, "See, that's what I'm talking about. Timmy Brown special, guaranteed touchdown. Yeah." So, and then that's that. All right. So now uh, it's it changes and stuff. Uh, so the second team offense now goes up against the first team defense to give the first team defense their look. So, what do you think? Uh, Coach Gruden calls as a play. Um, all right, guys, we're going to run the Timmy Brown special. <laughs> and so, Shed, you and Horace Grant get in there. And we both look at each other like, uh, what? We haven't run this play between him, him and I at all. All we were was just, you know, in the meeting rooms when he wrote the play up on the board. And we were standing by when they called the play during walkthroughs. And we just was, uh, you know, on the other sidelines to watch in the, the, the team uh, break a huddle when they called Demi Brown special during um, uh, team drills uh, against for the number one offense going up against the number two defense. And we saw them from the sidelines running that play. But at no point whatsoever did any of us or anybody else other than those two run that play. But you want us to get out there and run this? And that was, it was, I can't, like I said, I can never prove this. I can only tell you how it happened. So here we are, me and Horace, lining up to run the Tummy Brown special. And we're both looking at, hey, are you on the ball? <laughs> well, wait, I think I'm on the ball. Wait, wait. And then, and then you hear the yelling, God, okay, God dang it, you're supposed to be on the ball. What are you doing? You're going to, you know, oh, okay, let me scoot over here. I think you got to go down further. Uh... Uh, okay, yeah, I think we got it. And then, you know, they hike the ball and, you know, my timing's off. I think we ran it to each other and, you know, the steps were off. And I think it was, I can't remember who was Timmy in that particular time. Uh, was I Jet or Timmy? I have no clue. But it was, 
I can't remember number one, but it, it, at the time I, it was just as confusing. But I don't even think the ball was even – it might have even been intercepted because I think the route was cut too short and then they read it and then just – and all I remember is us walking back to the sidelines and the coaches were fuming. God dang it. Didn't you pay attention in the meeting room? And we're both looking at each other like, wow, okay. You see that writing way up there on that wall? I can see exactly what it says. K-Shed, your days are numbered. And that's how it worked. You know, that's, uh, that's how it worked. So, um, wow. Brings back some strange, strange memories, man. Um, and so I go back to reading Wikipedia. Uh, John Gruden, the victim of cancel culture. Hmm. Uh, I really can't say that John Gruden would be the victim of anything. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how he feels right now. I feel bad for the guy. Um, uh, did I, do I think he was given the shaft? 100%. The, the league did him wrong. Um, and th- there's, there, he should not be in this position at all. Uh, do, is there anything that I feel like I could do to help him? Um, I do, yeah, 100%. I, but it's going to have to do something. It's going to it's, it's going to involve something that I don't think Coach Gruden is ever going to be able to be able to do, which is to dig deep and reach out to people for help. He's just not that type of person for 30 plus, 40 plus years. He's the man. Just picture a great white shark, you know, floating around all the oceans and stuff like that. Just, you know, impervious to nothing. You know, nothing can stop it. It's just not afraid of anything, running the show. Yeah, it's that's, that's you know, I put John Gruden on that level. He's accomplished much in the NFL. You know, I, you know, I feel bad for what ended up happening. At the same time, um, you know, and I, I wish there was something more that we could do to be able to help rehabilitate his name. But like I said, I don't even think that he would even want us to. You know, because that's that's just not how he how he rolls, you know, and it's it sucks for me and a lot of other players like in my position is because, you know, we were bo- we were brought up a different way w- with the Raider way. You know, um, if anybody was associated to the Raiders, you you took care of that person like a family member up until the last, you know, to people aren't no more, you know. That's just the way our the Raider organization is is run. You know, you take care of each other. If you look at what, what Mark Davis is doing right now, he's carrying over his dad's legacy in that same fashion. You know, uh, so I don't even know if uh, John Gruden even kind of um, kind of exemplifies the Raider way. But w- one of the purposes of this uh, uh, podcast was to uh, figure out ways to um, reach out to certain people. And if there's a way to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, send out a lifeline out and kind of help people in the time of need, that's what we do. That's what that's what we talk about. Um, I want to have uh, uh, open discussions where people come in, uh, call in, and they kind of listen to what uh, I'm saying about uh, Coach Gruden. What are your thoughts? Uh, I've I've read some stories in the paper where you know. Uh, Gruden should never be associated with the Raiders ever again. Uh, that's, wow, that's pretty deep, you know. I mean, because there's people who are beyond hurt, beyond mad, 
uh, that that the emails uh, were generated, um, you know, and and you know some some people may think the emails aren't as bad as what they are being made out to be. You know, it's a very 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 tough situation. But to be honest with you, I reached out to somebody um, who I know is a, a friend of uh, Coach Gruden, and I said, hey, when you talk to Coach Gruden again, could you give him a message that? Um, you know, hey, uh, I think there's a way that uh, a group of former players or former, uh, you know, his t- his team is uh, that he coached can come and help him out. Uh, you know, we can kind of support each other and all that, but it's going to take a lot of, of him, um, you know, apologizing for some of the different actions that he's taken. Uh, I really hope that at some point, um, he's going to be able to accept that and that, uh, that he's going to step up and then uh, take responsibility for what might have happened, the emails, uh, what, was, what was done, and um, the damage that was done. And really, for, the, for the, however long it takes, just like Will Smith is going to end up having to do, uh, however long it takes, he pushes forward to try to rehabilitate and uh, heal some of the feelings that, that were... Um, that were uh, damaged and hurt, you know. Uh, uh, he hurt a lot of people. He really did. He, I don't, and he disappointed a lot of people. Uh, I'm one of them. And um, but at the same time, you know, I do respect the coach too. Uh, I know what his visions were. I know what his plans were. And uh, he even said that to me once. He's like, I have a plan, and it doesn't matter who I hurt to get there. That was when I. Re- approached him to ask him why the hell are you replacing me on the as a gunner uh the ones that goes down there to catch uh you know try to tackle the guy the punter once we punt it to them with a freaking linebacker who's like almost 300 pounds are you trying to send a message um that's how i took it 100 percent how i took it you know and um he looked at me and he's and that's what he said and i'm just all right he's and then he said is there anything else I'm like, no, that pretty much sums it up. All right, well, I got to go. I got stuff I got to do. And then he just got up and walked out. And, wow, it's, uh, you know, but he's, he's focused. He's trying to get on with the team. He's trying, he's trying to put the game plan together and try to get his team to, to uh, succeed. Um, so I guess doesn't really have that much uh, time to deal with other people's individuals' uh, feelings. Um, that's not me. My dad built me a little bit differently. Uh, you know, I, I feel very comfortable with how my life has gone and I still have big, big plans for here in the future, but at the same time, I'm also trying to become a better, better person. So, um, you know, I want to hear from people. I want to talk about some of the things that might've happened. And that's why this podcast is, is being made. You know, uh, I bet you guys didn't even know all that about coach Gruden. You probably thought this dude's a freaking golden boy. Um, and he is. But at the same time, he's uh, he stepped over some people and did them dirty, too. And uh, karma, like they say in the movie we made earlier, uh, a few years back, called Karma. Uh, somehow, karma is going to come back to bite. So um, with that, everybody, watch watch some of the things you do. Let's Let's try to be better out there. You know, help somebody out. You know, instead of... Uh, driving by that person who's who's looking for a jump on the streets, you know, pull over, help that person out, you know. Um, COVID kicked our ass. Now it's time to start getting some things back together, man.
All right. This is United States. All right. Let's start. Let's start making things better. All right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. One last thing. I'm looking forward to getting my email out to you guys because I want to start taking in some questions and um, incorporating that into our episodes and uh, really, really, really diving deep into what's going on in the world. So um, let's do this. All right. This is going to be K Shed out. <laughs>